0: You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast. From those famous seasoned fries and the Big Buford Burger to chili cheese dogs and classic milkshakes, the double drive-thru brands of checkers and rallies may be just 34 years old, but seem very much like a flash from a 50s-ish past but even in these troubled pandemic ridden times the chain is very much a future minded qsr i'm qsr web podcast host and editor shelly whitehead and with us today is checkers at rally's new ceo francis allen welcome francis hi shelly thanks for having me it is such a pleasure to have you and uh, now, as some listeners may have read on QSR Web, you actually stepped into the brand C-suite just about three weeks before, pardon the expression, all hell broke loose on the U.S. restaurant landscape with the nationwide lockdowns amidst COVID-19. So can you tell us a little about where you came from, how you're approaching this position, and what it was like to be settling in and have this crisis kind of
1: rock the world? Well, yes. Uh, thanks, Shelley. I, I did. I started in the middle of February. And as you can imagine, I had a, uh, a very well thought through, I thought at least it was well thought through, 100-day plan. <laughs> I was going to spend my first four to six weeks listening and learning, you know, getting to know all the functional areas and the people and talking to franchisees and touring markets and listening to customers and, of course, doing my restaurant training. And as you say, about week three, all of that went out the window. I did manage to get my restaurant training in. I did manage to tour one market at least. And I did manage to talk to many of our franchisees over the phone. So I at least went into this crisis with a bit of understanding about how our company operates and, uh, and you know, what some of its strengths and opportunities were but as, the, as you rightly pointed out, we went into a crisis mode, um, assembled a task force in early March, and that task force was essentially the executive team, and we came up with a three-level response plan. So at the time, we were trying to model out what do we think is gonna happen. Uh, our first level was about the health and safety of our customers and our employees. That was uh, priority number one. So make sure we get those best practices out there. And we also put some enhanced procedures for added uh, sanitation and added safety for both guests and um, and, and uh, employees. And then we created a level of communication to just drive awareness of the importance of these procedures and, and what was coming up next. The second level was what happens if we have to close a restaurant? What are we going to do about sick pay, closure pay? How are we going to treat the employees? How are we going to open back up? And then the third level was what happens if we have a regional or a uh, a, a market shutdown um, or a, a shutdown of the uh, restaurant support center. So um, that, in fact, happened much later, the shutdown of, support center the uh, stay in place in Florida only happened about uh, 10 days ago but the good news is that because we had planned up front every person had an operating VPN a, a laptop and really business continuity has, has been seamless so that's sort of how we we kicked off back in the middle of March and and we've been having daily calls Uh, actually seven days a week as as an executive team where we review what's going on, what do we need to adjust, what do we need to react to, what information does our system need, and we get a daily communication out to our entire system with what we think is the most prevalent information that we can provide them for that day. Wow. Um, Lots of late nights, uh, I would
0: imagine. What's the state of things about a month and a half into the pandemic's, you know, real U.S. effects for checkers and rallies? And I'm wondering, since you have kind of a regional variation between these two, you know, mirror brands, are you seeing any variations in business that are marked by the region of of the country?
1: That's a great question. Uh, so I would say, starting on the macro level, we're faring better than most. We are majority drive-through only. We do have some dining room restaurants, or dine-in only restaurants, and they are suffering like uh, like everybody else with with dining rooms. But most of our restaurants are drive-through only. We have a closed kitchen. And the benefit of that is we've been able to separate guests and employees and keep our employees um, safe uh, behind closed doors in in a much more seamless way. So we've been able to create more contactless experiences from the get-go. We also launched a very comprehensive delivery business last year, and we're starting to see that increase in check average as people are just storing up or stocking up and taking food home for the whole family. So um, we're, we're faring better than most because we're geared up um, for the situation in, in which we find ourselves and, and uh, we're very grateful for that. The I think the biggest impact on our business has been two things. One is the curfews that actually Stop people being out after after hours, and that obviously has impacted our late night business. So that's where we're seeing the real sales erosion, and of course on the weekends when people just aren't out and about as much as um, as much as they would normally be. But in total, we've only had 35 restaurants shut down, and they've mostly been either the dining room restaurants I referenced earlier, or they're in malls. Um, what we're seeing regionally is we think we've gone through the real low of the of the low sales and we're starting to see a trend in that business coming back, especially in markets that were the first to enact the most severe social distancing mandate. So Ohio, for example, is one of those markets where we're really actually seeing um, the, the business starting to come back in, in those markets. In terms of checkers versus rallies, we've really not seen that big of a, of a variation.
0: Well, I I tell you what, I, I just, you know, um, anecdotally, you know, I'm seeing lots longer (laughs) drive-through lines, you know, all brands, including the uh, rallies here. So, um, you know, it's, it's, here in Cincinnati is where I am. So, um, so uh, maybe people are just getting so we can't stand it any longer. At least we can drive in the car <laughs> and get yeah.
1: something. Well, no, you. First of all, thank you for uh, being a customer in Cincinnati, and secondly, I, what we're seeing is that we are doing more business during the day. It is the late night where we're we're seeing that. That drop, drop off and that impact to our business, so that that makes a lot of sense.
0: So, so, kind of related to that, what kinds of changes are the brands facing strategically, operationally, and in areas like labor and new store construction as a kind of fallout result of the pandemic's mm. effects thus far? And how do you plan, you know, for
1: those moving forward? Mm, that's a great question. Um, so. From a labor and people perspective, what I'm incredibly pleased to be able to say is that from a company point of view, we haven't had to lay anyone off at this point. Um, We are paying sick leave. We are paying closure pay when when the restaurants close. And we also have a foundation we call Care Relief Fund that was actually set up for hurricanes. So if we do have employees who are going through a hard time, We actually have an an ability to help them out if they apply for our help. Uh, And then we're trying to bring together industries that are looking for people with any of our franchisee employees who may have been laid off. And we call it the employment exchange program. So industries like the grocery market or the pharmacy market, for example, they're looking at people. So those are some of the changes from a, a labor perspective. Operations-wise, we've put a lot of new procedures in place. They're all around contactless transactions. So adding trays at the drive-through to hand the food over to the customer so that the uh, guest and the customer don't actually have to physically touch. Um, Same with the cash or credit cards. You know, in a tray, the cashier's wearing gloves. Um, We've tweaked... uh, Some procedures, for example, we've always offered refills, but from a very early on point, we said, do not take the cup inside the back of the house to refill it. You just give the customer a fresh cup. We obviously are ramping up the the use of masks as fast as we can as those um, mandates um, come in and as employees or guests want us to wear masks. Uh, And then we're looking at putting plexiglass at our windows to create that barrier. I think some of these things are going to continue through when we come through the initial crisis. I think some of these, these desires for more contactless transactions are going to continue. From a marketing point of view, a strategic point of view, we're thinking about the coming recession, which we think is inevitable, and how to market our brand during these tough times. Um, Checkers approach in prior recessions of offering indulgent food as, a, as a, at a great value has typically done very well. Um, but we're keeping that marketing flexible as we decide when to go back on media, uh, what to promote versus delivery. Right now we're doing free delivery like everybody else in the industry. Um, and how to talk about um, our uh, contactless transactions. So definitely a a shift in marketing. And then development. Development is really interesting. So uh, the first thing I'll say about it is that we had about 55 new restaurants in the plan this year. We think we'll deliver the majority of, of those. There are some stores that'll get pushed off to next year and that's purely because some of the steps are closed off to us um, during this stay at home mandate. Um, but our modular buildings are really easy to erect. They're still being produced in, 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 um, in factories across the country. And we should be able to get these stores uh, open as quickly as possible once these social distancing mandates are, are loosened. What's really interesting for me is last week we had our first virtual candidate day, and normally we would get new potential franchisee candidates to come into the head office, and they meet all of us, and they meet all the different functions, and we get to ask questions, they get to ask questions. So last week, we had so many candidates that still wanted to go through with the application process, which is very encouraging. Uh, we actually shifted to doing it virtually, and it, and it, and it worked really well. Wow. Um, so that might be
0: something that you continue to carry over?
1: It, it may well be. Uh, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of time to ask people to spend, but I, I do think it's valuable to actually come to one of our training stores and uh, for for potential franchisees and actually really experience what what it's like. But we were able to uh, to just keep going, like everybody else. I think we're trying to figure out how business continuity works in a virtual world. <laughs> You, you previously
0: said that you've been hurt most um, during COVID-19 shutdowns with um, the late night sales, since people aren't going anywhere to even be out for a snack late at night. Right. So how, um, how are you compensating for that, or are you? I mean, is that just the sacrifice?
1: Well, uh, um, but we've adjusted some of our late night hours. So it's interesting, late night was always, we always had longer hours on the weekend than we did in the weekday. That's actually reversed during this crisis. So we're on average closed about seven hours more per restaurant than we were before this hit. Um but obviously, we did a break even analysis of being open during those times and the impact on our crew and 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 labor so uh we made we made the decision to just uh, close some of those hours where obviously guests did not have the same kind of need and some of that traffic loss has been made up by delivery sales and higher ticket averages uh coming from delivery sales so about About a third to a half of our traffic loss at late night is being made up by uh, delivery.
0: You um, cited the brand store models that focused on these double drive throughs and in the last year delivery as being real assets in this crisis. So what other opportunities do you think that checkers and Brownlee's bring to the table in this kind of off-site dining environment?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, um, as you say, we were pretty well positioned for this crisis. Uh, we really leaned into our closed kitchens and everything that we could do to make our transactions more contactless. So, as I said, many of these new procedures that we've put in place to enhance that contactless uh, nature of our business are here to stay. Uh, We're really leaning into delivery. And I think the one thing that we're adding is order ahead capabilities. So we've started to think about that and started to test a few things, but we weren't really very far down the line. So I think that's the one area that we can improve. And what we are currently testing is moving to, um, with our double drive-through, one, one lane is for normal drive-through business, and the other lane is for delivery and order ahead. So, we can hopefully um, speed up both of those uh, that, that those transactions. That'll
0: be fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I'm yep. wondering, do you all see opportunities for healthier options, maybe even plant, plant-based menu items going forward? This is... A traditional burger and fries based chain. Do you feel like your your audience is going to seek that?
1: Uh, you know the trends that we that that I think are going to emerge after this crisis is um, a move towards comfort food, and there is no better comfort food in this country than burgers and fries, and so we're leaning into. Our big Burford, you mentioned it up front. Thank you for that. Um, so we're we're leaning into um, Buford bundles, like the, the four for 20 uh, Buford deal that we're about to launch right now. We have a two for 10 um, going on. So we're really proud of our fries and our, and our burgers. And we think those are a great answer to a population in need of some real comfort and indulgence. You're here. I'll get a shake right now. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Finally, you know, you said, um, when I talked to you before, you said that leadership really coalesced with the pandemic to get the brands running in the new normal. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What it looked like in action and maybe even how you'll use that kind of leader cohesiveness to emerge from all this?
1: Yes, I am very passionate about this uh, topic and actually for any listener that is a a, a disciple of of Lencioni, um, Patrick Lencioni, I'm I'm a big fan and he talks a lot of sense and what he talks about is um, that there are smart organizations and there are healthy organizations and while every organization spends a lot of time trying to be smart, trying to have the smartest strategy, the, the, the smartest financial plan. Um, the best organizations are those that put as much attention on having a healthy organization. And what do I mean by a healthy organization? It's one where you've got a very cohesive leadership team that works as a team, not as a group of functional leaders. Um, that group is very clear about what is most important for their business right now, and they have a, you know, they've got all the smart strategies as well that that um, other companies have. But the competitive edge is how they identify what's most important right now, who's going to do what, and how we're going to how we're going to achieve this as a team. And then they create real clarity with the organization as as to. What is what needs to happen and why? And um, they're very transparent with the organization. Everybody from the ground up knows exactly what is critical for business success and what their role is in it. And it's interesting that during this crisis, we—that's exactly how we we as a team have been operating. So I mentioned the daily calls. We have a call every morning. It goes on for at least an hour. There is no uh, functionality to it. It's what do we need to get done? We need to get masks to our restaurants. That's a new mandate. How are we going to get that done? And then everybody just collectively leans in and makes that happen. It's not left to the person in the supply chain, for example. So, um, that is, it's been a great way of operating. It's been, it's incredibly efficient because we're very focused on how do we get through this and what do we need to get done to make sure that we are running as good a business as we possibly can during this crisis. Who needs to know what? Um, and, and we get that communication out consistently and as a priority. Um, we have an all-hands meeting once a week where we share um, whatever our, we, we think our people need to know, or what's on their mind, and we give them an opportunity to, uh, to answer questions. So um, the cohesiveness of that team, you can imagine how well we've come together during a crisis. Um, I intend to do everything possible to make sure that that, that continues and that we um, continue to build not only a smart organization, but a very healthy one.
0: Frances, thank you so much for your candid insights and and really your time in joining us today. I'm sure a lot of folks listening not only relate, but have been helped by what we've heard. Um, And right after this break, we're gonna be back with the payments and online ordering experts at LAVU. With what operators need to know on that front to be positioned for a great future now and beyond COVID-19. We are back now with Salim Cutri, CEO of Lavu, a leading provider of online ordering, mobile point-of-sale, and payment processing software. And welcome to the podcast, Salim.
2: Thank you, Shelley. I'm so excited to be
0: here. We are too. Now, along with everybody who's listening right now, you have also been witnessing what restaurants are going through and how much brands have had to adapt just to survive during the COVID-19 crisis. But your background, Salim, is in software and hardware startups. So That has surely provided you with a lot of experience in being flexible and changing with the times, which is something that's much more important now than ever. So if we can, let's focus today on your company, Labu's online ordering system, Menu Drive, and how it's helping restaurants keep those doors at least to carry out drive-through and delivery open rather than seeing brands shutter completely.
2: Absolutely. Right now, we are in, you know, as we mentioned, truly unprecedented times. And we are seeing the acceleration of restaurants having to come from offline to online. And one thing that I read somewhere a long time ago is that behavior often shifts gradually and then suddenly. So all of a sudden, one day, things just happen. And that's exactly what COVID 19 has done to restaurants in particular, it's forced the acceleration of restaurants having to come online to keep their customers and survive. And that is exactly what Menudrive is helping customers do, which is turn their brick and mortar businesses into profitable online websites, which frankly may be the long-term solution or what this looks like after we emerge from the COVID-19 crisis.
0: Yeah, it's really like getting strong-armed into something and then suddenly discovering, hey, this this may actually do us some good. Right. Um, please, if you could, tell us in this unprecedented crisis what Levu, as a restaurant tech company, is doing to help restaurants survive.
2: Absolutely, so I'll give you just a quick background on Levu. We were started in 2010 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Our first, you know, I would say our flagship product offering was mobile point of sale on the iPad. Uh, we're in 98 countries. So truly, we have a global presence. Um, and we had dabbled in other products and offered online ordering, which obviously, if you look at the data, it's been growing and growing and growing over the last five years. I would say about six or seven weeks ago, I was in Mexico. I got a call from my chairman. It was 11:30 p.m. at night, and it's never a good thing when your boss calls you (laughs) 11:30 at night. You know something is something is going on. Uh, And I picked up the phone, and he said, "You know, the folks that I'm talking to basically think that if COVID-19 is what we think it's going to be, it's going to change the restaurant landscape forever. What do you have in your product suite that you can offer to your customers?" To keep them in business because if you keep your small and medium-sized business restaurants i.e. our customers in business then you stay in business that was the question that was posed to me at eleven thirty 30 at night <laughs> <laughs> while i was in a hotel room about to go to sleep and i said well we have we got this thing it's called menu drive online ordering you know it has a couple thousand customers people really seem to like it um, you know, it's sending up 1.5 million emails per month. Papa John's is a customer. And it was just one of the, it was just one of these products that we had, but we hadn't really invested a ton of time into it. And so we agreed that as a path forward, we would help our SMB restaurants go from offline to online. And so we, I started doing that. I started calling all of our restaurants, literally one by one. And I said, "If you're, are you, on, are you, are you online? Yes, you are. Okay. I wish you well. We have this product. I'm happy to help you. You're not online. Here, I have this product that's out of the box. We can get you up and running in an hour or less. Yeah. This is going to save you behind if COVID-19 is real. And I got a lot of, you know, I'm not sure if the coronavirus is really a real thing, but let's try it. I can't tell you the number of customers that have called me or emailed me or have agreed to do a video testimonials uh, on behalf of Menu Drive that have said, without menu drive my restaurant would not have surri- survived period full stop and so for me it's not only been something that has been an amazing kind of pivot for our company but i'm truly helping i'm truly helping the lifeblood of america and people stay in business and that is just an incredibly rewarding experience for me and my team that's
0: what it's all about um right. All right, then. Please give us an idea of the roadblocks restaurants have been facing when switching to a
2: complete takeout and delivery model. You, There's a, there's a couple things. So one is uh, orders are typically coming in, so they have to be able to adapt to the pace of orders over time. That's, that's number one. But even before that, once a restaurant is online, most restaurant operators don't have the concept of, they have to put their online ordering website out into the world for people to know about it. So there's a little bit of education. So after, let's say you have, you have a restaurant, you know uh, you have a, a, or, or a coffee house, you know, uh, sh- you know Shelly's coffee house. After I set you up, you're like, okay, great. The orders are going to come in. No, we have to help you We go on Facebook. We go on Instagram. You tell your friends, you send an email to your customers saying, Hey, I'm, I'm ready for online ordering. After that, the, the orders start coming in. And every single day, it goes at a more rapid and rapid pace. When you add delivery, we have delivery partners as well. Orders are coming in from other places too. And you have delivery partners coming in to your store waiting for, for them to pick up waiting for them to pick up your food. And you know, people have mixed reviews on how that experience is as well. So it's really adapting to the pace and it really becomes more of a logistics and operations problem almost kind of like an assembly line versus having to wait for people actually in the restaurant and delivering, you know, delivering a really nice ambiance and, and, and atmosphere. It becomes much more transactional and you have to be really, really, really particular in terms of how long the meal prep is, when the food comes out to the front, when the when the person is there for a pickup and delivery. Those types of things really, really matter. So
0: what, makes menu drive different
2: and distinguishes it so there's a couple of things one is um it's really easy to use number two is it's super easy to onboard I, you don't have to talk to a sales representative in order to get online which i think is the biggest thing uh, that most restaurants don't like doing they don't want to have a conversation with a sales professional because he or she is going to sell them on a bunch of stuff that they don't need and it allows them, the product is, is really intuitive. So it's understand, easy to learn for not only for them, but their training staff. But I would say the biggest differentiator is that menu drive allows restaurants to make more money. So I was looking at the data for March, uh, all of March, uh, and there's a website called WOMPLY, W-O-M-P-L-Y. The WOMPLY data showed that national restaurants, same store sales declined Thirty percent in in the in the month of March as a result of covid nineteen wow. restaurant operators that use menu drive were up thirty five point three percent in March and the reason so that's basically a hundred percent difference, okay one hundred percent if you were on menu drive, you made one hundred percent more than what you would have done versus the national restaurant average and the reason for that is obviously easy to use, easy to onboard. But Menu Drive also has a suite of, of marketing tools. And what I like to tell people is we're not only giving you online ordering, but we're giving you a chief marketing officer for your small restaurant business so that you can go on Facebook, you can go on Google, you can send emails, you can put, you know, you can put coupons out there in a very methodical way. And I would say that's probably the biggest differentiator is that it allows you to actually grow your business, which is what people need to do during this time. Uh,
0: yeah you can say that again um finally you know i have to ask you as a leader in the restaurant tech space how do you think restaurants can best position themselves for life after the pandemic
2: that's a really good question so i'm thinking about what does the restaurant world look like after the dust settles do we now have online restaurants where people come to a website and uh you know, they use their webcam to have a, um, have lunch or dinner with their friend who's across the world. That may be one scenario. I think the main thing that restaurants need to do is they need to, be, they need to be able to adapt, right? They need to be able to be willing to change. And I think a lot of restaurants are being forced to do that, number one. Number two, they need to embrace online ordering that's easy to use, that's simple. And then number three, they need to be able to, um, they need to be able to use the tools that are available to them on menu drive to help grow their business. It's, you know, the old, the old way of doing business from a restaurant perspective is, is, is gone. Right. You are, you are, you know, a restaurant that used to be able to sit a hundred people, right. You know how, when you walk in, there's fire code that says maximum capacity is hundred, a hundred people. That stuff is done because we need to, we need to sit six feet apart. You're going to have, people. you might have 20 people actually sitting in the dining room as a result. And now you're going to have people walking in who may need to take temperatures because to validate that they're not sick. And so you're going to see pickup, carry out, online ordering, delivery, I would say as the majority of their business. And so the best way to position yourselves is to actually embrace something that's going to help you not only have an online presence, but allow you to thrive in that new world, which is menu drive.
0: Salim, thanks so much for joining us with some great information today. We really appreciate it. Salim Khatri is the CEO of online ordering, mobile POS, and payment processing software provider, Lavu, And that will wrap it up. For another edition of the QSR Web Podcast, we hope you all took away some great ideas and truly wish you success as we move forward through and soon, hopefully, beyond the pandemic. Until next time, stay safe and profitable and happy. Take care.